0: let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. In the year 1190 A.D., King Richard I set off with his army from England to go to Jerusalem and bring it under Christian domination. In his absence, he left his junior brother, Prince John, in charge of England. But while King Richard was away fighting to regain the Holy Land for Christ, Prince John was behind the scenes seeking to overthrow King Richard, and take the crown for himself. When Prince John's treason got word to King Richard, he quickly left the battlefield and made his way back to England to secure his authority. But unfortunately for King Richard, he was shipwrecked on the way and forced to make his way across Europe on foot. As he crossed Austria, King Richard was captured and handed over to the Holy Roman Emperor, Henry VI. Well, Henry VI saw this as an opportunity to line his pockets. He locked up King Richard in a prison and demanded a huge sum of money as his ransom. King Richard and his allies quickly began raising the money for his release. But when Prince John and his allies heard about what had happened, they also started raising money so that they could make a counteroffer to Henry VI that he would keep King Richard in prison and let John become king of England. And thus, the battle for the throne of England began. It was not a battle fought on the battlefield with soldiers and swords. It was a battle fought in the hearts of men. Which king... Would men support? Everyone in England was forced to take sides. They either had to give to release King Richard and bring him back to the throne, or they had to give money to Prince John and his men to pay to keep King Richard in prison. It was a conflict for the kingdom, which, by the way, my namesake King Richard eventually won. Hip, hip, hooray. But while the throne was still in dispute, people had to decide. Which man they wanted as king, and how much would they sacrifice to support his cause? Believe it or not, today we all face a similar choice. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He rules in the universe, and he's destined to rule in our hearts. Yet man has rebelled against him and pushed Christ off the throne and established himself as the monarch of his life. So we all have a choice. Every one of us today, everyone in the world, will you honor God's true and rightful king, Jesus Christ, or will you seize the crown for yourself? Which king will you choose, and how much will you sacrifice for your choice? That's the question we all face this morning. But before we discover God's answer for our lives, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you've established Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. We know that he has a rightful place to rule on the throne of our lives, but we confess to you, Lord, that oftentimes times. We've fallen short. We've shoved you off the throne and made our own decisions and made our own path. So I ask you today to come and open our eyes to see those areas that we need to yield and surrender to you. I pray that you'll convict us and speak to us and soften our hearts that we will surrender willingly and joyfully to your rightful lordship in our life. We submit to you now and bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to enlighten our hearts and minds, the power to soften our hearts and wills, the power to transform us to be a people on fire for you. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine this morning. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome once again to Agape House. It's great to have you here today. I know that God is going to do something special, something supernatural, something miraculous in your life. If you believe it, say amen. You picked a great day to be at Agape House because today we're launching a new sermon series called If My People. For the last few months, the Holy Ghost has been speaking to me that he's stirring us for revival. This is a time and a day when we need to seek God and make him first in our lives. This is a time when God is calling us to renew our zeal and return to our first love. And God wants to bring revival to his people. For when true revival comes, we set Jesus on the throne of our lives. When true revival comes, we will go all out to make sure that the king has his way In us, you see, friends. A lot of us have a wrong idea about revival. We think of a revival as a series of special meetings or a program. You invite a guest preacher, you have a guest gospel artiste, you print posters and gather the people for three days or a week, and you call it revival. That may be an event that moves God's people, but that's not revival. Revival is not a meeting or event. Revival is a visitation of God. Revival is a place when God comes to stir us and change us and move in us so that we become different. We repent of our sins. We make restitution. We reconcile relationships. And we need that type of revival today. We need God to move us back to our first love, back to zeal, back to being on fire. And I'm expecting and believing God to move in our hearts, in my heart, in this church, in our nation and bring us back to revival. So I urge you to pray over the next coming weeks and open your hearts to God and say, Lord, change me. Lord, revive me. Lord, have your way in me. And today we're taking the first step to revival by reordering our priorities. For you see, revival begins when we put Jesus in his rightful place as God and King of our lives. That's the truth we're going to discover today in our sermon entitled, The Priority of Of revival, And to help us learn the truth for today, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. You can find yours in your bulletin. If you're watching online, download these for free from our website and our social media platforms. There at the top of your notes and on the screen ahead of you is our scripture text for today. One simple verse found in Matthew 6.33. I'd like to ask everybody to read it out loud together. Read it with faith. Are you with me? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants, then all your other needs will be met as well. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. If you've been in church for a while or maybe you used to go to SU in school, this is probably a very common and familiar passage to you. It's one of Jesus' most well-known commandments. Seek first the kingdom of God and what he wants. But in all honesty, how many of us really understand what this means? And how many of us are really applying it to, to our lives today? So let's take a few minutes and unpack what Jesus is teaching us and figure out how we can make it applicable to our lives right here in Ghana in 2023. And here's your first step today. In order to experience revival, you have to pursue kingdom priorities. Listen to how Jesus Christ begins this passage. Seek first. Everybody say first seek first god's kingdom and the first thing we see in this scripture is that jesus is giving us life's most important priority when jesus said seek first the kingdom of god he's telling us the most important thing you can pursue in life is the kingdom of god for the fact is god has always insisted that we put him first This is exactly what Jesus said in Mark 12. A man came to him and said, Jesus, which is the most important commandment? And Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And Jesus summarizes it well. The greatest commandment is to love God and put him first. And friend, the commandments of God have not changed. Modern technology and modern culture cannot change the commandments of God. No matter what any preacher or prophet tells you, God has not lowered his standard to let you slip in the back door of heaven. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. What Jesus taught us 2,000 years ago still applies today. You must love God first. You must love God with everything. You may not have any other idol, any other ambition, any other desire, any other goal, or any other thing above God. Today, we've tried to make God's holy commands less demanding. We've turned the Ten Commandments into the Ten Suggestions. We hide behind the false concept that somehow when we get to heaven, we will beg Jesus, Yesu, mbacho, and he will let us in, even though we've been very, very bad. We think God will excuse our sin and let us have our way and still ride his grace into heaven. But you cannot fly Satan's airline and expect Jesus to pick you up at the airport. You can't be the king of your life and remain in the kingdom of God. There's only one king in God's kingdom, and it's Jesus, not you. And unless you're willing to bow to King Jesus, you have no place in God's kingdom. God insists we put him first in our heart, and the proof of whether you have put him first in your heart is that you put him first in your possessions. You see, the proof that God is first in us is how we handle the things that we manage. It's impossible to honor God as king and yet retain control over your own money. All through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, God commands us to bring him the tithe, to bring him our offerings, and to submit to him as an acknowledgement that everything we have comes from him. In Exodus 23, 19, he says clearly, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. Here at Agape House, we believe that your tithe is the 10% of the first fruits of everything you've received before tax and it belongs to the Lord as an acknowledgement that all we have comes from him. And the way you handle your possessions shows whose kingdom you're really committed to. But the fact is you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God God, and money. And what I don't understand is that today many of us will make sacrifices for earthly goals, but we think it's obnoxious or difficult to make sacrifices for the kingdom of heaven. I've seen families reduce their expenditures so they could put their children in better schools. I've seen families reduce their outcomes payments uh, so that they can save money to buy a house. I've seen young people reduce themselves to eating one meal a day so that they can save money to buy a new iPhone. Hey, tell your neighbor he's talking about you. We will drop our standard of living to send our children to school, to buy a house, to buy an iPhone. So why won't we reduce our expenditures to sacrifice for the kingdom of God? If you will give up something on this earth to attain an earthly goal, why not sacrifice something for an eternal goal? The problem is we make decisions to benefit ourselves. But God says you must be first in your heart, first in your property, and first in your decisions listen to James 4 13 to 15 look here you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year we will do business and there make a profit how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow your life is like a morning fog it's here a little while then it's gone what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to we will live and do this or that A few years ago, I was going somewhere one morning. I left my house, got into the car, the driver kicked the engine, he backed out of our compound, turned up the street and started driving. And then as he was going, turning right, turning left, I realized I had not told him our destination. I was about to speak up when suddenly I decided to try an experiment. I would try to see how long he would drive before he asked me where we were going. So I kept quiet. The man went left he went right we got out on liberation we were headed towards osu he was moving with speed and all of a sudden after about five minutes he turned and said reverend where are we going i said medina (laughs) (laughs) I, i don't know you tell me you're the one driving And so often that's how we treat God. Well, I'm going to pursue this career. I'm going to become a chemical engineer. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to have these friends. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to go to Canada. I'm going to live here. I'm going to do that. And we get halfway through life and we're in chaos and confusion. Things aren't working. And we turn to God and say, where am I going in life? God says, I don't know, you tell me, you're the one driving. But listen, friend, God is not your co-pilot. God is not second in command. Either he's the king of the life and he makes the decisions or he isn't. And you cannot put Jesus in the back seat. If Jesus is not in the driver's seat, you cannot expect him to take responsibility for your life. He must be first in your heart, first in your possession, first in your decision, and first in your family and relationships. But there is no mother, no father, no son or daughter who should take the place of Jesus. For Christ said in Matthew 10, 37, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. God gets first in everything God gets first in life itself. For Jesus said in Matthew 10, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. In other words, Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Turn your notes over to page two and consider that the problem for many of us is we're viewing the kingdom of God like we view earthly kingdoms. We've gotten used to earthly kings. They have pomp and circumstance and ceremony and accolades. But most kings on earth don't have any real power. Our earthly kings don't lead armies, they don't make laws, and they cannot tell you what to do in your daily life. Just recently, a man named Charles Windsor was crowned king of England, thousands of dignitaries and celebrities came from around the world to watch. Millions more watched on TV as Charles put on a big, glorious crown. He has a lot of money, but he doesn't have a lot of power. He has a lot of accolade and fame, but he doesn't actually control anything. He can't make laws. He doesn't lead an army. He doesn't lead a government. Uh, He makes almost no influential decisions. Here in Ghana, we have a rich history of monarchs. Our neighbors in Nigeria have more monarchs than any other nation on earth. God bless the Nigerians. We understand the concept of royalty from an earthly perspective. But the danger is we are now using that earthly perspective to view God. And the truth is, God's kingdom is far different from any earthly kingdom. His kingdom is not earthly. It's eternal. His kingdom is not visible. It's invisible. His kingdom is not natural. It's supernatural. His kingdom is not perishable. It's imperishable. And we've gotten used to going at feasts and ceremonies and seasons of time to our village and celebrating our king as we carry him on a throne and wave our fans and shout his name, but we would never allow him to make our daily decisions, and we brought that to the church. We come dressed up on Sunday in our finest. We sing, crown him with many crowns. We love the pomp. We love the religion. We love the tradition. But Jesus should never tell us what to do in our daily lives. But I'm here to declare to you that Jesus Christ is not a ceremonial king. He is a real ruler. He's an absolute monarch. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he deserves everything. And entrance into his kingdom requires absolute submission to his rule and reign. And for many of us, this is difficult to understand. It doesn't make sense in the natural. We think God is asking too much from us. But That brings us to our second step today. You've got to pursue kingdom priorities. And number two, you must possess kingdom perspectives. You see, Jesus continues and said, seek what God wants. He's challenging us today that in order to pursue the right priorities, we must have the right perspective. If you see what God sees, you will do what God says. You have to follow his ways, love what he loves, and hate what he hates. And the way to pursue kingdom priorities uh, is to possess kingdom perspectives. The problem that we all have, myself and you, is that this doesn't come naturally. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And there's not a single one of us, not a prophet, a pastor, apostle, or priest in this land who naturally sees what God sees. We need him to come and revive us. We need him to come and open our eyes we need him to come and transform us that we get a glimpse of heaven because when you align yourself with God's perspective you'll easily follow his priorities when you see what God sees you will wholeheartedly jump in and put his kingdom first I've discovered that as a parent. I oftentimes saw things my children didn't see. With my age, my wisdom, and my experience, I could tell them something. For example, my oldest son, Richard, when he was a child, he loved Coca-Cola. If you allowed him, he would drink Coke for breakfast, Coke for lunch, and Coke for dinner. But as a parent, I knew that Coke for breakfast, lunch, and dinner will rot his teeth and ruin his stomach. So I said no. He said I was being mean. I knew what I was talking about. My youngest son, Kofi, loved to play video games. I couldn't even turn on the controller. He was fighting battles on the screen night and day. He would stay up till 2 or 3 a.m. playing video games if I allowed him. But I knew that to do that would hinder his studies, so I told him no. And oftentimes, children will think the parent is being mean or unreasonable, but the parent sees what the child doesn't see. And it's the same with God. He sees what you don't see. He sees an eternal value in your life. He sees you from an eternal perspective. He knows where you're going. He sees a great and glorious future, a better inheritance. He's prepared for you. For the Bible says he has destined you to sit on a throne and rule and reign with you, with him in, in eternity. And he's trying to build you up. God sees the future glory, not just the present test. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, that is what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And God sees you sitting on a throne, ruling and reigning. He sees a mighty destiny, and he's using this life to prepare you for the throne. He sees the circumstances you're facing, the trouble at work and the trouble in home. He sees that as a preparation to test you and prepare you so that he can entrust you with greater responsibilities. For Jesus himself said in Luke 16, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in Pesua and cd, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy at work, if you're untrustworthy in your home, if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches in heaven? Once a few years ago, there was a factory owner who had to hire a new manager for his company. He discovered that his current manager was embezzling money. He wanted a man he could trust who would do what he said. So he advertised in the newspaper, position open, but he didn't give a lot of details. He just said, come and work, you'll get a supervisory position and you'll be paid. Well, on the day of the interview, 20 men showed up. Then the owner came out and said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give all of you work today At the end of the day, I will pay you. Tomorrow you come and work, I'll pay you, and we'll see who we choose. The man said, here's your job. He went and pointed on the south side of the compound, a huge pile of cement block. He said, I want you guys to move all these blocks to the north side of the compound. Ready, go. Well, three of the men right off the bat said, wow. I'm not a laborer. I didn't come to move blocks. I want to be a manager with suit and tie behind a desk. I'm leaving. The three of them left. The other 17 started moving the blocks. But as the sun came out and the heat was beating them, one by one, some of them left. By the end of the day, only 10 were left. The next morning, after the man had paid them, they came back the next morning. The 10 came and the manager said, the owner said, now here's your job for today. The blocks you move from the south to the north, I want you to pick the blocks from the north and Move them back to the south. Hey, are you mad? Are you mad? Hey, what type of nonsense? Three of the men walked away right then. The other seven started to work, moving the blocks back where they came from. But as the day went on, one by one, they dropped out until only one man was left. The owner paid him said come back tomorrow. The next day the man showed up. He said, now I want you to move the blocks from the south to the north. The man said, yes, sir. He started moving blocks. At the end of the day, the owner paid him. The next day the man came back. The owner said, I want you to move the blocks from the north to the south. The man said, yes, sir. At the end of the day, the owner paid him. For two good weeks, the owner made this man, moving blocks back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Hey. Now wow. at the end of the two weeks The owner called the man and said, You're the man I'm looking for. I need someone faithful, someone obedient, someone who doesn't complain. I'm hiring you to manage my entire company. Because God sees the eternal, not just the earthly. And He sees what you're passing through right now. And it is a test. I'm speaking by the Spirit of God. You're being tested. Are you complaining? Are you grumbling? Are you disobeying God? Some of you are in a test right now. You don't understand what you're passing through, but God says, if you'll obey me, if you'll surrender to me, I will lead you out. For God doesn't just look at the earthly. God sees the eternal, not just the earthly. Jesus said in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. We become so focused on this life, even in our churches. We have prophets for profit and pastors for hire. Most preaching in many churches today is all about money, how you can get more money, how you can get ahead in this life, how you can get a better car and a bigger house. Our preaching is centered on this life, but the kingdom of God is not an earthly kingdom. God cares about these earthly things. But there's something better. Our focus must be on the eternal, not securing our comfort in this life. For this life is a vapor. Let me take a moment to illustrate. You see this rope on stage? This rope represents eternity. Just imagine in your mind's eye that this rope goes on to the west. It goes far through la Côte d'Ivoire, on through Liberia, Sierra Leone, Guinea, Guinea Guinea-Bissau, up to Senegal. Then it goes up to Europe and all the way to the North Pole, then it leaves earth and goes up to the moon and the sun and goes on for eternity in that direction. In this direction, it goes to the east, to Togo and Benin, beloved Nigeria, across the continent to Africa, goes on to Asia, Australia, and then leaves the earth and goes to galaxies far away, on and on forever. This rope represents eternity. Here in the rope, that's 100 million years. This 200 million years, this 500 million years, this a billion years years this is eternity going on it never ends and this little rope this little piece of the rope represents your life here on earth now this is eternity this is your life But for most of us, we're not paying any attention to eternity. We ignore that and we focus on this life. I want to get ahead. I want more. I want to be blessed. I want to be prosperous. I want to be the head and not the tail. And we compare our thread to someone else's thread. You see, your sister, her thread is bigger than yours. She has a bigger house, a better car, a better husband, hey and you're focused on the length of your thread, and you want to find a way to cut her down so your thread can be bigger. Nonsense. Shouldn't you be focused on the never-ending life? Shouldn't you focus on what will last forever? For God sees the eternal, not just the earthly. And God sees the spiritual, not just the physical. Romans 14, 7 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about what you gain outwardly, but how you change inwardly. For God sees the imperishable, not just the perishable. 1 Corinthians 15 says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor Does the perishable inherit the imperishable? I have never seen a lorry filled with furniture following a coffin. I have never seen a tipper truck filled with electronic goods following a casket. I've lived in East Lagon for more than 20 years. For many years, I've been driving Lagos Avenue and oftentimes you hear the sirens blaring and you see the Muslims coming to their cemetery at Mensa Wood with motorbikes and with a truck carrying a coffin. But I have never seen a lorry carrying furniture behind the coffin. I've never even seen someone carry a a suitcase, a property behind a coffin. The man may have owned more than he could carry in this life, but when he goes to eternity, he carries nothing. Have you ever wondered why the space marked out in the cemetery is so small? There's a reason it's small. You only need enough space for your dead body. No house, no furniture, no car, no clothing, no electronics, no computers, no iPhone, nothing but you in the coffin. You may live in a mansion in a jingano, but you will end up in a one meter by two meter plot at Gethsemane Memorial Garden in Shiashi. Shiashi, hey! You may have a wardrobe full of outfits, but you will wear one, one in your grave. You may sit on Italian leather and sleep on an American mattress, but you will end up on one inch of local foam in a wooden box. Hey! God sees the imperishable, not the perishable. God sees the invisible, not the visible. For Jesus told him in John 20, 29, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So let me ask you a question today. What do you see? Do you see what God sees? Do you have kingdom perspective? Do you see the future glory, or are you only focused on the present test? Do you see the eternal, or only focused on the earthly? Do you see the spiritual, or the physical? Do you see the imperishable, or the perishable? Do you see the invisible, or the visible? For seek God's kingdom first. Gain his perspective. That's why the Bible tells us in Colossians 3, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Pursue kingdom priorities. Possess kingdom perspective. For when you do, you'll take the third step and partake of the kingdom's prize. Listen to how Jesus ends this powerful passage. Then all your other needs will be met as well. And the most amazing, the most glorious thing Jesus tells us is that when you focus on his priority and you adopt his perspective, he will take care of everything else. You'll get a reward in heaven and he will care for you on earth that's what he promised in mark 10 listen truly i tell you jesus replied no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. The fact is, you can't outgive God. He will bless you abundantly more than what you can give. When you give all to Him, He gives us all to you. When you pursue His priorities, He makes sure that everything you need in this life is yours, and He will reward you in heaven. My wife and I came to West Africa February 14th, 1983. We sold our car. We packed up our few belongings. Everything we owned just about could be carried in two suitcases. Each. We landed at Murtala Mohammed Airport, Ikeja, with our two suitcases in hand. Each. No one came to meet us. We had nothing—just what we owned, what carried in our hands. But I'm here to declare to you that after 40 years, my God has never failed me. My God has provided my God has supplied. My God has met our needs. We've had to pray. Sometimes we didn't know where the next meal would come from. Sometimes we didn't know how we would get by. We had no one paying us, no one sponsor. We had no one who guaranteed our income, but we trusted in the God who said, you give up everything for me and I will take care of you. And today you are visible proof. I have mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and children, hundreds and thousands of them god bless you i love you i gave it up all and now i've got you and it's better 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 and not only has god provided for us we raised six children hey six some of you are calculating if you can afford two we raised six school fees paid food paid housing paid dresses paid my god has done it all but you know what that's not all there's something better because all these years we've lived and all that God's done for us is just the beginning. Because I'm going somewhere. I'm going to eternity. I'm going to walk the streets of gold. I'm going to get the mansion in heaven. I'm going to eat at the marriage supper of the land. And everything that God has done for me is just so minimal compared to where I'm going. And what God has for me. I do not regret one Pesua I've given to God. I do not regret one CD I've given to God. I do not regret one day I've served the Lord. If I had a thousand lives, ten thousand, hundred thousand lives, I will give them all again for Jesus. What about you? Choose today your priority. Seek God first and you receive the kingdom or seek yourself. And be left empty handed. Focus on God's priorities. And receive his perspective. And you will partake of his prize. That's what God said to his disciples. Choose well. For Matthew 6 he said. Don't store treasures for yourselves here on earth. Where moths and rust will destroy them. And thieves can break in and steal them. But store your treasures in heaven. Where they cannot be destroyed by moths or rust. And where thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will be where your treasure is choose today pursue kingdom priorities possess kingdom perspective and partake of the kingdom's prize will you pray with me father in the name of jesus i ask you to stir our hearts today bring revival lord to our lives bring revival to our church to our nation Turn us from our foolish ways. Deliver us from being tied to things of this earth. Let us see the eternal, imperishable, invisible, supernatural kingdom of God. Let us yield ourselves fully and put you first. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the Senior Pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.